CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Tonight on Options Action, the countdown is on for a monster week of earnings. Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Coke, McDonald's, Ford, GM. The list goes on and on. So which are the names to play ahead of the results? Plus, a call to action on Boeing. The aerospace giant up close to 16% this month, but is there more room to run? And later, we'll look back at United Airlines. Has the trade been friendly? We'll also be digging into your tweets. This is Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, along with Carter Worth, my co, and Tony Zhang. Let's get right to it. A huge slate of earnings on deck next week, and we are homing in on the big tech name set to report. Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta, Amazon, and many more delivering results. So the chart master's kicking it off with a look at the technicals for the group. Carter. That's right. Big week, of course. Some 750 stocks in the S&P. I'm sorry, in the Russell 3000, 175 in the S&P reporting earnings next week. But most importantly, we've heard from one of the top five, but the other four largest stocks in the market uh, report. And actually, statistically, when they've all reported in the same week, it's not been a particularly good week in the instances that it's happened. Let's look at a table or two. So what do we know about the top five? Their weighting in the QQQ is almost 50%. You see the names there, they're the names you know, and they round out at 41.6%. The top five weighting in the S&P less, you can see that in the second table, at 22%. And again, we've heard from Tesla, of course, and uh, the market reacted well to Tesla's news. Now, the question is, are we going to get the same kind of thing out of the others? Let's look at the chart of the QQQ first. And so here is a five-year chart. We all know how it's topped. It's peaked. The trough is down 34%. Epic head and shoulders. And now it's, it's bounced along with other equities. The question is, how far does the bounce carry? Well, we're getting up to or close to the 150-day moving average. And this is about where it, it starts to stall. So let's drill down to Amazon. Now, here's a comparative chart over 10 years. Amazon up 950%, almost triple that of the QQQ. But let's flip it around. What about over the last two years? Over the last two years, it's a disaster for Amazon. Amazon's down 21% on a two-year base versus the Q's up 13. And so the risk for Amazon is that somehow it doesn't do well on its earnings. Let's look at one final chart, Amazon. So you've got a lot of overhead supply immediately above. And you do have a gap to fill. I'm actually thinking that we're going to get a non-event. It moves a lot during earnings, has moved a lot, that maybe this is just a push this time, and Amazon is right where it belongs. Hmm. So, Mike, you're looking at Amazon. Yeah, I mean, with Carter here, I mean, first of all, we, we had, over the course of the last two reported quarters on Amazon, we had some very big moves. Two quarters ago, we got a really big pop, and then most recently, we got a really big drop. And the stock is down just under 27% year-to-date, underperforming the NASDAQ, as he points out. Now, of course, there is some good news for Amazon. A lot of people know this. We've got AWS is, is growing at a, at a great rate and has very nice margins, 35% plus. A lot of people are now looking potentially for as much as 40% margins. And I think you know the $1 trillion gross uh, market value that uh, everybody's looking at for 2025, I think that is very much 
still in sight. Now, the important thing I would point out that creates some headwinds is that their sales numbers and their margins, more importantly, on their sales numbers in the most recent uh, reported quarter were actually quite miserable. And the other thing is that they pushed their prime day now into the third quarter. That just happened, uh, I think, a week ago or so. So that's not going to show up in second quarter earnings this time. Now, the options market is implying a move of a little over 7%. That probably makes sense when we consider how big the moves were the last two quarters. But I kind of want to take advantage of that elevated premium, thinking that because the stock has already been so depressed that we probably are going to get a more muted move this time than we have in the past. But selling a straddle or selling a strangle carries unlimited risk. I don't want to do that. I was looking specifically at trading a 125 put calendar. I was looking at the uh, August-October put calendar. Now, I would point out when I was looking at this earlier today, around 10 this morning, the stock actually was trading around 125 or even slightly higher. Of course, the market sold off during the day. Amazon sold off even more, down more than 2% ultimately from those levels. So actually, I think the 120 might be the strike if we open on Monday, where we close today. It might be the closer one to use. But the idea here is uh, essentially to try to capture the elevated decay that those near-dated options will have and limit the risk in case we do get another outsized move. Tony, what's your take on this trade? Yeah, so I agree with the overall thesis that Mike and Carter have that this is a bit of a non-event because you know, we know that Prime Day is pushed into the third quarter, but, you know, consumer data out of that Prime Day shows us that consumers are quite strong. Uh, the e-commerce business, I think, will report fairly well. I think what's likely going to provide some headwinds here is FX. This is something we've heard from most of the other retailers, especially the, the multinational ones, and this is something that I think could be a little bit of a downside here. And But if you look at the, the stock, the, the price of the stock, when it broke below that 145 key level that held above that level for multiple years, years, it quickly got down to that 105 level. And it's been range bound between 105, 125 or so. And the relative strength that Carter was referring to over the last couple of years, very poor. So from my perspective, I agree that this is likely going to be a non-event. And I specifically really like the put calendar uh, uh, strategy that, that Mike is putting together here. I do think that for me, the strike prices, I would like to go a little bit further lower, have a slightly bearish uh, tilt to this uh, calendar or slightly neutral view here. Looking at that 115 strike gives you a, sh a calendar spread that straddles that 105, 125 trading range that the stock's trading in. So as long as it ends up somewhere in between that range on earnings, this short calendar will be, or this calendar spread will be profitable. So I like the trade, I like the thesis, slightly more bearish than, than Mike and Carter. Mike, I'm just curious what you think of the uh, more bearish strikes. Yeah, I mean, as I was uh, suggesting when I pointed this out, when we first identified the 125 strike, that's approximately where the stock was trading. And, and obviously, as it fell off, I was suggesting maybe the 120s. I think the 115s would be fine, too. But yeah, I would suggest that if you're choosing strikes, choose ones that if uh, you're between strikes, choose ones to the downside, not the upside. All right. Another tech titan set to report next week would be Apple. Last month, Tony laid out a way to play the name for a bounce, but with results due on Thursday, he sees these Granny Smith games could be coming to an end. So, Tony, how are you playing it now? Yeah, that's exactly right. I was long this name for the past month or so, but I think it's now time to fade the strength going into earnings next week. If we look at a chart here of Apple, we see this slow and steady uptrend that it's been in over the past couple of years. 
But what we have seen recently is a breakdown of that trend. And now we've come back to retest that trend line. And the risk to reward simply favors to the downside going into the earnings event. And you can draw these charts different ways. If you look at it another way, you can draw a head and shoulders top formation. But, but both the charts, what they point us towards is further downside going into earnings. Now, if you look at the business, you know, one of the things that I've noted is that Apple right now is a relatively slow growing business. If you look at EPS and revenue growth, we're looking at single digits over the next couple of years. And I think the stock trading at about nearly 24 times next year's earnings is a pretty rich multiple to where the S&P is currently trading right now. So I think that you might also see some multiple contraction if we start to see some guidance that is a little bit unfavorable for the rest of the year. And the market largely has shrugged off the news that we saw earlier this week or last week where um, they were planning, uh, and many of the tech firms, planning on slowing down hiring. That I don't think is reflected in the stock price yet. So when we look at the options market right now, Apple is implying about a 5% move here going into earnings versus the 4.1% we've seen over the last eight quarters. So options uh, premiums are elevated, so I'm, I'm going to favor selling premium, and I'm going out to the August 26 expiration. I'm looking at selling the 155 call option, which is the at-the-money call, and I'm buying a 165 call against it. Here I'm gonna collect about $4.07 earlier today. That's more than 40% of the vertical width, and this is a strategy that will be profitable if Apple moves lower on earnings, or if it just simply stays where it is, and I think there's limited upside going into earnings given the strength we've seen over the last month. So Carter, what does Apple chart, Apple's chart look like? Well, you saw some great lines there. Let's put them back up on the screen if we can. You have two well-defined circumstances, and Tony drew them. You can call it a head and shoulders top, and that's, of course, what it is, because we saw that in the QQQ. This has a big correlation with that aggregate. And then we see, of course, a stock that bounces to the penny, to the penny off a trend line, and then breaks trend. And as a good rule of thumb, if you throw back to the level from which you broke, it's defined as a rally to a difficult level. Uh, yeah, right to the kill zone, and I would go after it. <laughs> so you got Carter's blessing on the chart reading. Um, Mike, what's your take on the trade? Yeah, I, I agree with it. First of all, we haven't seen uh, earnings estimates come in very much. I mean, we have a lot of people talking about uh, all of the signals that we have, that we are in a slowing economy, that we might be facing a potential recession, and yet still the street is looking for nearly 7% year-on-year EPS growth. I don't think that's very realistic. We have elevated options premiums because, of course, we're going into the event. And finally, you have that technical setup. So you want to sell elevated options premiums when you can. You obviously want to fade the side where there's potential resistance. And I think the two people who are better informed to tell us about the charts just explain that that's the case. But I also think that the street just hasn't come to grips with the fact that uh, we are facing an economic slowdown, and that's going to impact everybody, including the biggest companies. All right. Still to come, it's not just tech on deck. Boeing earnings are on the horizon, so Professor Ko is laying out a call to action on the plane maker. We've got the details next. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and newsletter. Much more Options Action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Check out Boeing shares pulling back at the end of what has been a huge week for the stock. This high flyer is up more than 7% this week and on pace for its best month since March of last year. But Professor Coe says it might not be all clear skies for Boeing. And if you also think the stock is about to lose some altitude, you are in luck because he has got a way to play it. Uh, Mike, take it away. Yeah, so, you know, this is a company, obviously, that has faced some material headwinds over a number of years. We're all well aware of this. Obviously, the the situation with the 737 MAX, and then, of course, they've had a lot of issues also with their 787 Dreamliners, and those deliveries got suspended. However, I think towards the end of this most recent quarters, we're probably going to be seeing a lot of data that suggests that their deliveries have strengthened. So this is really kind of a mixed bag, this this situation that we have here, because we have that improvement, of course, in the planes that were essentially sitting uh, unpainted on all of those lots. But we uh, also recognize that 737 MAXs still are not flying in China. Uh, I think we probably haven't heard yet, but will, that they are also in pa- uh, facing some potential inflationary pressure, and that could hurt some margins. And one final thing I would say about this company, because I know a lot of people who have been following will know that I do like the defense sector generally. And, you know, interestingly, for Boeing, which was more than 70 percent commercial, uh, as they've sort of lost uh, their lead in that area, in a way, the company becomes more defensive automatically, because as a commercial portion of their revenues declines, actually defense is now a larger portion of their revenues as it currently stands. Uh, That said, I think that this bounce that we've been seeing is probably a little bit too optimistic. And of course, we have elevated options premiums going into earnings as we typically do. So in Amazon, we were looking at essentially uh, one of these situations we were expecting the stock to just go sideways. Here, I also want to take advantage of that elevated options premium, but I'm leaning a little bit more bearish in the case of Boeing. So I'm looking actually to a put diagonal, also using August and October as my expirations. But in this case, I was looking at the uh, 160-150 put diagonal. And again, just like Amazon, pay attention to where the stock is going to open on Monday. You're looking to purchase a put that is at or slightly out of the money and then using a lower strike put on the short side for August. The idea here being that we're going to try to capture some of that elevated decay. This would have a standstill rate of return, meaning that even if Boeing essentially just trades sideways out of earnings, we would expect to make a little bit of money just on that accelerated decay. But I I think that the move that we've seen, that 7% pop, uh, might be a little over optimistic going into earnings. All right. Thanks for that, Mike. So Carter, got to go to you for the charts. Of a rally, 45%. Think it's overdone. Let's look at some charts. The first one is Boeing. No drawings, no lines, no annotations. The question is, let's put some lines in. The second iteration, Boeing was descending in a well-defined channel and plunged out through the bottom. We've rallied right to the underside of the channel, 45% S&P's rallied 10. It's just overdone. So another way to consider it is relative performance. Look at this. This is Boeing's relative performance to the SPX, a simple ratio chart. It's to the penny to the declining 150-day moving average, a rally to a difficult level. Now, Boeing's all-data chart, we are threatening hovering ominously with a break below that all data trend line going back to the early 1980s. And then finally, Boeing's relative performance, all data to the S&P. It was such a great winner and it has fallen on hard times. We are now basically, we've unwound all of its relative performance going back to the mid 80s. And the stock has just rallied 45%, fade the rally. Wow, that's quite a stat. Tony, where do you stand on Boeing? Yeah, so I definitely think we're in the early innings of a bit of a sentiment shift here for Boeing, but I think that if you look at 
you know, the data right now, Boeing certainly looking strong after that Delta order at the Farnborough Air Show. They notched 183 orders versus 12 for Airbus. But I think when you look at the fact that 80% of their entire backlog is in a single plane, and there's a ton of risk there in that narrow body segment that Airbus has really been running circles around them, that's the downside risk that I see going into earnings. And when you couple that with the technical chart, that uh, very similar to the Apple chart from a, from a trend line perspective, the risk to reward ratio, I think, uh, favors here to the downside. If you look at Mike's trade structure, I think it's a really interesting use of options to uh, sell high implied volatility and buy low implied volatility. He's using an in the money 160 put, and that in the money put will allow you to buy optionality to the downside for relatively cheap because that's in the money. And then he's selling that August 150 uh, put option that has elevated implied volatility. And when you do so, you're able to reduce the premium that you that you pay for that uh, to buy that downside uh, exposure. And in this particular case, he's only risking 5% of the stock's value to get that downside exposure, and he's paying less than the $10 width of that, of that diagonal spread, which means that even if Boeing has a terrible quarter and the stock uh, declines significantly lower than we expect, you're not going to see any losses here to the downside. All right. Up next, a couple lookbacks on a few past trades. Got the updates straight ahead. Plus, we're taking some of your most pressing questions, a call to the tweets when options action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Last month, Tony laid out a way to play United Airlines. This is the one airline that has held up one of the best out of the Jets ETF and has recently actually broken out relative to the ETF. So this is really where I think that not a lot of investors are really looking here. And especially if you think about the expansion into more international travel here over the past few weeks, which booking data so far seems to back up, I think United Airlines is one to pick for a breakout here. I'm buying the 38.47 call spread for about $2.87. That's about 7% of the stock's value. After that, United saw a nice run up, but has since released its landing gear. So Tony, what are you doing now? Yeah, that's exactly right. This trade was working out quite quite well, but earnings miss took the sale out of this. We paid about $3 for this debit spread. The rule of thumb that we have is if you lose more than 50% of the premium that you pay on a debit spread, it's time to get out and move on to the next trade. And that's exactly what has happened here. All right. We're also taking a look back on one of Mike's trades. A while back, Mike laid out a way to drive into Ford for the long haul. At the current valuation, Ford is trading at $470,000 of enterprise value per electric vehicle sold. That's just for their electric vehicle business. Compare that to about $780,000 in enterprise value for Tesla. So to me, I think this one seems pretty cheap. I was looking at the those Jan 13 calls. I was actually looking at them yesterday. The stock was about 12 and a half, is up a buck today. So those are actually in the money now. Those would cost about $2.40. Since then, the stock has climbed about 3%. So, Mike, what are you doing now? Yeah, so uh, I happen to own the stock, and I own higher strike calls because uh, I got into the trade essentially before we talked about it on the air, and the stock was at a lower level then. I will say that one of the things you can do, because I think we are in a difficult market environment and we have this elevated volatility, consider selling some near-dated premium against it. So if you don't own the stock, you could actually sell some downside puts. For example, you could potentially have the stock put to you, but I like the level here. Or you can sell some at or even slightly out-of-the-money call options against it. That'll just offset that decay, but allow us to hang on to this position a little bit longer because I still like it. 
All right, time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, how long do you think the pop in Tesla post earnings could last and how would you trade it? Carter, what do you say? Well, a, a pop it was, right, up 10% and follow through today, but closed poorly along with the market. I think the pop is probably over. It left an unfilled gap below, and I suspect that gap is going to be filled. All right. Our next fan asks, my favorite stock, Generac, is down over 45%, but has a lot of potential tailwinds. I believe if we have bottomed, it can run. So how should I play this kind of stock with options for potential run back near the top? Mike. Yeah, so I, I really like Generac as well. Now, this is a fast-growing company. It's trading right now at less than 19 times forward earnings. But, of course, those forward earnings, I think, are also fairly uh, optimistic. I will say I actually even had some colleagues who are taking advantage of some recent uh, offerings over at Costco and actually picked up one of these things recently. Uh, the thing I would say is that, of course, the stock has had a good run if we take a look at the last several years. So I would consider using call spreads or diagonals, much like I've been advocating in some of these other stocks, while premiums are elevated the way they have been. So an answer and a shopping tip from Mike. Uh, we have time for one more tweet here. Our fan asks, update on Johnson & Johnson for September 16th options play last week, with it being down 9% from last Friday and the revised guidance and numbers on the earnings call. Tony, why don't you take that one? Yeah, so the rule of thumb here is similar to United Airlines. We paid a little over 6 bucks here for that debit spread. It's down about 50%, so you still have about $3 left. In this particular case, because the catalyst is over, Time to cut your losses, take the $3 and apply it to the next trade. All right. Up next, the final call. Time for the final call, Carter Braxton Worth. Boeing's a troubled company, and yes, perhaps it's making a turn, but it's already advanced 45% in a matter of weeks. We would fade Boeing. And then if you're long queues, write some calls. Be cautious. Tony Zhang. We've seen an incredible amount of strength here in Apple over the past month, but unfortunately, I think that's coming into an end, going into earnings. Looking to sell an August weekly call spread for next week. Mike Coe. Yeah, I don't think Amazon's going to be amounting to much, so I like put calendars there, and Boeing, I think, probably has come too far too fast, and there I like put diagonals. All right, that does it for us. We'll see you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't go anywhere. Politics and profit starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.